listening to the Auxiliary Gate Podcast, Kentucky's weekly horse racing discussion. And now, here are your hosts, Alan Schneider, Brandon Jaggers, Jeff Riggs, and me, C.C. Broadus. The Auxiliary Gate, big promise. It is now time for episode number 154 of the Auxiliary Gate Podcast. Today is August 16th of 2023. I'm joined by Alan Schneider. How are you, sir? I'm great. I'm trying to think of something off the cuff to say, but uh, I got nothing at the moment. <laughs> but I'm That's good. Kinda, if you could, if you could uh, describe our podcast in one sentence, I think that sums it up. Unprepared. I got nothing. I got nothing. Uh, rambling. Old guys talking stupid. I mean, you can. There's a lot of things you can go right with, right? That's exactly right. But now, to contradict you and me, <laughs> we have the. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe uh, what we call well prepared, well well documented, well just well just a master of everything. Master of uh, basketball. Master of culinary arts master of janitorial arts whatever you want to say this is the guy it's jeff riggs the bearded <laughs> handicapper how are you jeff i'm doing wonderful guys i uh definitely i'm not so sure about the culinary arts unless it involves a microwave that's about the extent of my culinary prowess i'm still learning trying trying to learn how to grill a steak i've, I've oh. almost got it down i, I want the I got to put that char and that, those grill marks on that steak, and I, I'm just just not good at it yet. I, I don't. I know it's really easy, I'm sure, but I'm. You got to get if you're going to fry it inside, you got to get the got to get the skillet really hot, right? Like well, I'm talking about on, on a grill. On a grill, well, you got to get the grill real hot too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really impatient when it comes to food. Well, so. You do it right, and then you know you let this bring put the steaks out early, let them sit at the room temperature, maybe put a little. Sea salt or something, a little uh, kosher salt in there, let that kind of soak in a little bit, kind of break yep, down, yep. The, break it down a little bit, and then maybe you can even rub a little garlic butter on there or something, or whatever, and gotta get that grill hot. Garlic and butter I, is, uh, yeah, I, that's a good thing. I've got some garlic butter I added to a steak I cooked the other night. It was really, really good. I dish. say that, and I rarely eat steak. I believe it or not, I eat a lot of soup and chicken. Some, you'd, you'd be surprised at like with with the gut that I got, but I don't eat a whole lot of steak. But I like it. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah, I love it. Uh, oh yeah. Let's get into let's get into a few things uh, first. Uh, we texted earlier. Did Perry Utes move into fifth place today on the all time riding all time winners? I believe he did. List? Correct, Jeff. I think he did. It might have been yesterday, maybe, but yeah, he just did for sure. So he passed uh, David Gall. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now he's in fifth place. Correct. All by himself. Mm-hmm. So, we had Perry on what a year and a half ago, maybe just a wonderful guy. And he, I remember him saying, "CC, one of his goals before he hung up was to get into fifth place." Now, I don't think he'll ever hang it up, but he he was a great interview. Yeah, he. Uh, so who's who's number one now? Is it Russell Bays? And two is Pinkai, and I don't remember who three and four are. Um, James Sunsery. No. Yeah, and uh, uh, Min Chen. 
Wow, no, there's a name. That, that, that's impressive. That's, that's impressive. Dana Whitney. Dana Whitney. You really, you really pull him out of there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, congratulations to Mr. Perry. Oh, yeah. Hall of Fame. Impressive. Yeah, we want to, we want to pound that drum like everybody else with any common sense does. Should be in the Hall of Fame. No questions asked, right? Absolutely. Unless you're an elitist who, but you know, whatever. Put him in the Hall of Fame. And uh sad note, uh, Jerry Moss passed away uh, today. And he was the owner of Zenyatta and Giacomo and a ton of other nice runners on the West Coast. Uh don't know what his age was, but I, I do have a memory of him. It's just a fleeting memory. Uh, we were at the the uh the 2010 Breeders' Cup Classic at Churchill. Correct. Just, yeah. And I sideswiped him. <laughs> what? As he was walking. Yeah. As, as he was walking to his seat. And I grabbed him on the on the on the uh, on his sleeve. I said, "Good luck, sir." <laughs> That's my only memory of Jerry Moss. And what did he say in return? Thank you. Oh, that's that's a great story. Classy. Uh, that's that's a, that's the moral of the story. He was a classy guy, classy. Job. And Jeff, if I'm not mistaken, do you know uh, how Mr. Moss, where his fortunes came from, what his claim to fame prior to Zenyatta and uh, was? Do you know what that is? I do not know that. Do you? I'm, I'm sure you do, CC. Right? What? Yeah. He's the A&M Records, right? The police. Yeah, who was, who was the oh, A? Oh, okay, okay. The who was A? the A? That's A&M. cool. That sounds, like a, that sounds like a question for Christopher or Caitlin or somebody like that, but I, I should know it, but I don't on top of my head. But I did. I believe Giacomo is named after Sting's, from the police, Sting. Sting's son, right? Right. And uh, that they, A&M had the police, as in Yadam and Dada, that's where, that's one of the, the police's most famous albums, and that's where the name Zenyatta come from, if I'm not mistaken. So there's a lot of a, there's a lot of a sting, every breath you take references in, in uh, Mr. Moss's horses. I believe it was 80, is what I read. 79 or 80. I may be wrong on that. Was that the most significant horse race you've ever attended in the last 30 years? Oh, flaming Zenyatta. Yeah, I was. We, I was there for. Uh, Giants Causeway and, and Tis Now. That was something else, right? And I was uh was there for I remember reading Street Sense blowing by was incredible. I've been at church a lot, but um over over the decades. I would say that Blame and Zenyatta, we were down there near the finish line too, weren't we? That was that was incredible. Yeah. Because Zenyatta was so far back and the whole crowd could feel it. The whole crowd could feel the horse coming. And it looked like shit, but my God, Blaine was so tough. So, I mean, yeah, that's – did you happen to be there for that, Jeff? Was you there for that race? I was not there. I was on the campus of Western Kentucky University oh, yeah, in a dorm room with a raised bed. And when Zenyatta started rolling, I jumped up on my bed, and my head went through those, like, foam tiles. You know what I'm talking about, that they have at <laughs> the top of ceilings on, like – Yes, scrub ceiling. Yeah. So that was my that was my recollection of that Breeders' Cup, and I also had bet blame and felt like a terrible person when the race was over. Same samezies, right? I believe we we did very well, right? right. We had blame, but it's like when you when you saw Zenyatta, because we're all experienced horse players. It's like I tell people, like we're almost like physicists in some regard, because we can almost tell whatever when a horse starts making its move on it somewhere down a stretch. We know you can almost telegraph how much they're going to win by or lose by. It looked like Zenyatta had that thing measured, right? A right. furlong and a half out. And Blaine, Blaine said no. Blaine yeah, said I, no. I'm not 100% sure Zenyatta would have ever gotten past Blaine. 
I agree. I think uh, that horse was yeah that that horse was very underrated. Zenyatta, I, I thought to that point, I think Zenyatta gained more in my eyes losing that race than she had in you know beating up on all those uh, uh, synthetic uh, paper cans or paper. <laughs> Uh, cans, not paper cans, tomato cans in California. But uh, just a CC, I would also add, there was an insane roar. You know, horse racing doesn't have the following that a lot of things do, but on its best day, it can, it can really work some magic. And the roar from that crowd when people saw, because when, when she made that move, the crowd went crazy. So it was, it was, it was an electric feeling that evening. The, uh, a lot of tears shed. I remember looking around, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people were crying. Oh, you know, it was like, that was powerful that she lost, you know, that it hurt a lot of feelings, but yeah. That it, was, it did not for us. Cause if you recall, we didn't have any feelings of joy or sadness because our buddy had gotten remarkably drunk and got lost at Churchill Downs and next 60,000 people. And it's a long story, but uh, we spent three hours looking for him. So. Yeah, we, <laughs> we checked bathrooms and ambulances everywhere, and everywhere. And, uh, mm. yeah. It's a long story. That's time for another podcast. That was a hell of a night. We found him. We found him. Uh, last thing for me, uh, Friday at Ellis Park, uh, $90 plus thousand dollar pick five carryover. Uh, I like the sequence. I'm going to take too. a shot at it. Uh, I think you and I are kind of in agreement. We probably need to play a group ticket when, when things like that happen. Uh, yeah, it's it's you know uh, I would say probably three four hundred thousand dollar pool, which is something you never get at Ellis. Mm-hmm. Will Will Twin Spires be working at that point? I, I was I've been I'm off the grid during the week. Okay, I didn't know until like five o'clock today Twin Spires hasn't worked. So hopefully that's rectified in time, right, CC? Yeah, uh, surely they'll work over time. I'm a, sure they'll get get it together. They uh, probably left some money on the table today with that. Pick six carry over at Saratoga and, and oh, no way yeah. to play at the Quinn's Fires. Yeah. That, that probably hurt. All right. Friday starts a new uh, racing week here in Kentucky. Ellis Park, as we mentioned earlier, has a roughly a 90 plus thousand dollar carryover in the Lake Pick Five. And it's a challenging sequence, uh, but a sequence I think we've got an edge in. And uh, oh. we're going to, uh, yeah, I think we're going to, uh, uh, Play some tickets and, and have some fun with it. So uh, before uh, before we get started, can I ask you guys? I won't let Jeff kick this off, but uh, are there any 111 one uh, bombs to to close the car like Farron Peterson did the other day? Uh, did y'all see anything like that? Never underestimate Farron. She's an incredible speech. I spoke with her after the race, and I was like, when you get one like that, can you please pass that on? And she's like, I she hadn't all she breathed she she didn't breathe the horse. So that was. She had never been on the horse until then. So uh, that was her. That was her doing a little horse town or whatever. So uh, 225 bucks. Hopefully, uh, Jeff's got another $225 winner in his arsenal. All right. What we're going to do, we'll, we'll just uh, quickly go through the last five races. And if you have anything in mind, just throw it out there, Jeff. We'll start with you. Race five is a is a two-year-old maiden special weight, uh, two-year-old fillies, mile 16th on the grass. And, you know, as of Wednesday night, obviously it's a full field with 16 entered total, 12 in the body of the race, the main body of the race, and then four also eligible. So what do you like here, Jeff? So this is an interesting race. I think it's interesting that four of the five in this sequence are maiden races. 
So, you know, get on your maiden uh, handicapping hats. Uh, Chad Brown's got one in here, probably going to go favored first-time starter. Maturity date, I think, is probably a must-use. Um, I don't think has to win the race. I'm probably going to go, I would say, three deep in here, also using the uh, the maker second-time starter and um, the 10, the Cassie second-time starter. They both came out of the same race, and um, the Cassie horse really showed good speed and dueled early on in that race going shorter, uh, 21 and three opening quarter, very fast fractions. So I think definitely had, um, it's not surprising that that one faded out of it. And, uh, second time starters for, for Cassie's 20% with a, a 248 ROI. So I think this one stretching out using that technical speed, I think, uh, could really make some noise here at a reasonable price. That's my top pick at nine to two morning line. So I'll use uh, that one. The the maker that ran evenly in that same race should also probably appreciate the stretch out along with the uh, the Chad Brown first time starter maturity date. What do you guys think about this race? All right. So just to pause you real, real quick, Jeff's like likes two maturity date, eight fancy looker, and ten winsome beauty. But you, Alan? This is a single for me. Uh, I, you want to go bold and you go bigger, go home. I mean, uh, I was waiting on this horse from the, when I first saw this horse, uh, debut the first time or a couple of weeks ago. I was like, I wanted to specifically paid attention, uh, to see how it ran because I was suspecting that it was a prep for the horse because it's fancy looker for maker, the, one of the horses Jeff mentioned with Gerardo Corrales aboard. Uh, Nova, his, her, uh, his full brother very well, fancy liquor. Uh, is a full def- fancy liquor who has, uh, got excellent speed, has won some very nice races at turf way and, around, and, and on turf in the past. So I want to see where they can give him a, keep him close to pace and run a nice even effort in his debut. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, so again, with, uh, so to me, the, the entire time they were looking to, uh, maybe, uh, get this horse around the ground, maybe look at Kentucky Downs down the road. Um, it's single, a little bit bold here, but you know, Play these way you think they're going to fall out. So I, I'm on fancy look. McPeak scares me a little bit because McPeak in the race, he always seems to do well at Ells with these surf races. I don't think he's really done that well yet. He may be waiting to launch a few, but uh, yeah, if, if one of the main ticket I have is going to single fancy looker. I like I, that. Being I bold. agree with both of you. Mm-hmm. Um, I would play, if I'm going to play more than one ticket, I would single fancy looker. The uh, the other ticket would go two eight ten. Winsome Beauty, as Jeff alluded to earlier, I think this is a half sister too. You remember a filly named Summer Soiree? Yes. That uh, I think it was a daughter of Warfront for Team Valor back in the day. She was really speedy and uh, would carry her speed two turns. And maybe this uh, this uh, daughter of Upstart could do the same. So yeah, two eight ten with the emphasis on the eight. If you wanted to use a couple. Of outsiders, like Alan mentioned, number 11, Sistine Chapel, is the daughter of Liam's map out of a uh, Brazilian mare. Uh, and blame the gelato, the 12, for Jason Barkley, another one making a second start. And yeah. the first start was so bad that the horse might get overlooked a little bit. Yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a single later on that I think everybody's going to use. You know, we always, you always try to handicap the way these, the way these people, people are going to play these tickets, right? And sometimes there's a sometimes there's an obvious way everyone's going to play, and sometimes sometimes that works. That's fine, but it's always good to go back and see. Well, okay, let's see where 
hate to use a cliche of zigging and zagging and contrarian, blah, 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 because sometimes a simple four to one shot can be considered contrarian, right? Or just, just playing things in a, in a different fashion. Uh, the angle that I'm going to use is, yes, the, the horse upcoming later is, is an obvious single, but I, I see that one being a bit of a, a sleeper single who I actually think the horse may go off favorite. But, uh, and that's fancy looker, so I don't, I'll let you guys get going to the next one. Race six, seven furlongs for two-year-old fillies. Another maiden race, the second of four maiden races. Uh, Jeff, uh, where do you where do you land here? This one's very interesting. There's some well-bred fillies in this race. Mm-hmm. Um, very much so. Yeah, the the Cassie uh, Charlotte's approval on the rail is very interesting. Seems to be working pretty well. It was a million-dollar purchase. Phasic tipped in October or August uh, 2022, and um, this one is interesting, but I, I think may be a little overbet. I'm wondering if this one might need one. I know the last 208 uh, first-time starters for, for Mark Cassie only showing a 74-cent ROI with an 11% winning percentage. So it's not that he is not capable of hitting with one, but it seems that a lot of the ones that take money are, are not getting the job done. So I'm looking elsewhere here. The one I'm really interested in is the three simply striking for uh, Riley Mott. <laughs> yes. So that one debuted at seven furlongs, so should really have gotten a lot out of that race. Dueled hard early and held on pretty well. Ended up getting beat by 15 lengths, but late into it was running well. And this one I just think can take a, a step forward. It can't be overstated how important experience is, especially at the seven furlong distance. When a, most of the major players in here are first time starters, I think that race having that race under her belt is going to be huge in here. So that's one I'm really, really looking to looking to use for sure, and especially trying to to beat the one on the rail if that one takes a lot of money. Uh, CC needs to go because I know exactly. I'm, I'm going to let him take the reins on it. I know where he's going. You open well, the door for him, so you go ahead, CC. Yeah, I guess we're all going to sound redundant. Maybe we need to fade each other. But, uh, <laughs> I'm going to talk about a couple different ones, but go right ahead. I know where you're yeah, going. Yeah, well, the, to to piggyback on what Jeff said, we were we were at Ellis the day simply striking ran. She was a mess in the paddock. She just threw a fit. Uh, mm-hmm. Couldn't you know she she was uh, kind of running around in circles. It was hard to handle. It took a while for the the rider to get back. Or to, for the rider to get him on board. And we also noticed that this was Rayleigh riding for Riley Mott. There was another trainer. I can't remember. Alan, you remember the trainer that he it was used? A, yeah, it was, uh, John Ortiz and, uh, John Ortiz had, Grace had, Given. John Ortiz, yeah, that horse looked like a contender in the race. And we noted that Rayleigh was riding for Riley Mott over that filly. So, mm-hmm. but we made a note, like this horse didn't, I mean, she was getting bad at the time. Seems like she was made five to one, six to one. And she was, you know, I think 20 to one morning line and deservedly so because Riley Mott is like his dad. He doesn't necessarily fire him up first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we noted, you know, this horse is just running a race in the paddock. We'll watch and see what she does. Well, she shot to the lead and, and, and you know, show some really good speed and faded and is, is, you know, probably a perfect debut. And then <laughs> the next day, a guy I know told, told me he singled her in his pick five. Because he had gotten some info on the horse, said they, the barn liked the horse. So, yeah, simply striking would be single number two or single candidate number two. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, we've we've sent our own Brandon Jaggers, our director of uh, inside information, to to uh, look into this. 
a horse and uh, to maybe come up with some info or, of his own, but it was inconclusive. Yeah, I, I'll add that I think the speed wasn't holding as well that day that it used. But you and I had made the comment for the race because the horse was so active in the paddock, so crazy that the horse is either going to break like a shot because it's so geeked up, or it's going to be disinterested. So when she broke like a shot and held held fairly well. I mean, it's this fifth by fifteen, but she held until late, right? And it was a pretty good field. It was a pretty good field. So there was there was some decent horses there. So better race it looks like. I will say seven furlongs is a unique distance for the, the two or three. Your some of your better ones are more, better intended are going to come out. So seven furlongs can be an equalizer, but you got to use that one. You know, you not you might get a price out of it too. But a couple I would like to mention is well, this this race is loaded, right, with connections and pedigree. Uh, the Saratoga, this rivals the Saratoga two-year-old race. I'm sorry it does. Um, and there's a couple of interesting pedigrees. I think my, uh, Michael McCarthy's worth remembering is one I'm really, really interested in because that's a, a half to Zandon, right? And it's the Eclipse guys. I think that horse could be live at seven furlongs. I don't know. And then Cessna Sisu for McPeak. McPeak does a lot of his best work at seven furlongs. Uh, I believe that horse, uh, is a, Half or a full to, and I can't remember the horses. The horse I'm very familiar with. Look it up for me, CC. I'm, I'm drawing a blank all of a sudden. But this horse is well bred. Keep talking. Yeah, keep talking. Uh, but it's uh, you could go a lot of different ways in here. You're going to have to narrow it down somewhere because this is going to be the quintessential spread race for a lot of people. So, um, and you got it yet, CC? No, I spelled it wrong. Yep. Don't you hate when you do that with pedigree query? <laughs> It's know, Sessa. Sessa is with a an S and not a C. Mm-hmm. S-E-S-S. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. See, see how prepared we are? But this horse it, is a full brother to a full sister. To Princess Warrior. Wow. Princess, Princess Warrior. Warrior, yeah. Yeah. Okay. A nice peak runner who excelled at seven front of it. I mean, we I could go on and on. We could talk all day in this race. It's a really good race. But um, And there's a – yeah, something else real quick. A Constitution's got one here for um, Brad Cox. And if I'm not mistaken, is it Sharita Bow's horse? It has, I mean, it's not Sharita Bow. Anyway, there's a half-brother to Constitution in the race, and there's a son of Constitution in the race. I just wish I remember which one it was at the time. So, anyway, I've went on too long. Uh, yeah, so, Floored, number six, is a half-sister to Constitution. That's what it is, yeah, half-sister. And then Constitution's got, so we've got some yeah. incest going on in this race a little bit. <laughs> I wonder about this pedigree. Curlin is a filly by Curlin out of Baffled, which is the, the dam of Constitution. Only brought $350,000 at auction. That's, uh, seems kind of light mm-hmm. to me for that type of pedigree, but what do I know? Anyway. So we want to keep an eye on simply striking, but of course, you can go a lot of different ways now, right? Yep. Absolutely. Uh, race seven is the only allowance race. Mile and a quarter on turf. Now that, keep in mind this race starts on the turn, so the inside horses have a bit of an advantage when they break from the gate. Uh, what about this one, Jeff? I love this race, and I like that you, oh. you talked about them starting on the turn because I think that really helps out I'd Rather Be Blessed, who really stepped up in a big way first time on the turf last time and has good tactical speed. And in this race, at a mile and a quarter, there's really no other speed in here. So I don't think he's going to have to work that hard to get the lead from the rail, saving ground there. Um, I'm, I'm 
really interested in this one as well stretching out a little bit. I know that the distance is going to be a little bit of a question, but they did try to get this one on the turf the first time at a mile and three eighths. Mm, that's true. Time. Yeah. And so I, I think that they probably want to go longer with this one. And uh, I'd rather be blessed also acted up in the gate a little bit last time before that last race. So may have lost some of the, the energy there. So if he takes any sort of a step forward from that last race and gets an easy lead, I think he's going to be really tough to beat, especially when the two others that are going to take a lot of money are on the outside, six and seven. You know, six and seven isn't that far out there, but when you're starting on the turn, it, it could be it could be a little bit of an issue, especially when the, those two aren't exactly win machines. They're, they're probably the two most consistent horses in the race, and they've run it a mile and a, uh, at the distance before, a mile and a quarter before. I think they're very likely to, to run second or third somewhere in there, but in this pick five scenario, I, I, I really like I'd rather be blessed quite a bit with a nod to Quadra Island, the five, Brad Cox. Um, this one's only run on synthetic at Turfway, but it's been running against good fields, beat a pretty good maiden field, and then was in the rushaway stakes, just overmatched there. If if this one takes to the turf and can can make a late run, I think that one could be the surprise. But I'm going to lean pretty heavily on, on the rail runner. I'd rather be blessed in here. Yeah, this is a short field, so people are going to probably go try to go narrow here, which you know that's I don't blame them because El Ajihado is generally a tall loss, right? Um, you do have. You have a sneaky Paulo Lobo horse in there. I don't think this horse is one of his better horses, but it's still Paulo Lobo. It seems like he wins. And it says he's only winning a 32% clip at Ellis, but it feels like it's about 75. Um, that said, he met, uh, Jeff mentioned Quadra Island. That, that's where I would go. Um, I would probably lean against Solid Country Gold. Quadra Island is the son of Kitten's Joy for one thing, right? And uh, Turfway, I know the horse is very well from Turfway. Um, Really beat, first off, that uh, field against Eyewitness and Event Detail, that's a really good race on New Year's Day the horse came out. Eyewitness is a very nice uh, Wesley Ward horse that I believe Kent DeSormel came in town to ride, knowing that it was on Kent DeSormel's comeback day, right? And that horse aired, so uh, Wesley hooked up Kent that day with a couple of winners. Uh, Quadra Island comes back and beat a really nice horse for Paula Lobel called Noises Off. I think this horse mm-hmm. is run a little bit. And the rush away was a bit of a uh, it was a bit of a grab bag race or whatever. He didn't fire that day, but they, it seems like they threw him in there real quick. But you got to think with Kitten's Joy, you got to think Turf was the ultimate goal. It feels like you know it's, it, if you're like me, I also feel like Quadra Island should be Apollo Lobel horse because he has all those horses that start with Q, U, Kadira, and things like that. But it's a Brad Cox horse, so I like Quadra <laughs> Island. The horse you mentioned, the Hartman horse, uh, Michelle. We just had Michelle on and. Uh, she may, she may not be too keen this horse because he, he benefited last time because, uh, one of her horses was in that, in that race. This horse came out of it. And there was some crazy shit going on down the lane. And I'd rather be blessed. I believe the runner up got a great trips up the rail. Uh, that said, it was a better field than this, I think. So I'd rather be blessed still figures and all the points Jeff, Jeff mentioned. I would, I would use those two in that race. See, I'm not letting anybody in this race beat me other than El Hijado. Yeah, Jedrick, you never know. Jedrick is, yeah, we've seen Michael Lauer get some sneaky results, you know. And, and, uh, and long turf races too, right? He's yeah, this horse, this horse has got a little turf pedigree, a little hidden turf pedigree too. So I, I'm not going to throw him out, but I don't have a real opinion here. So 
Mm. Um, it, it can be a sneaky short field. You know, sometimes people yeah. will go narrow in here, right, and they'll take the obvious horses, and you get a 6-8 to 1 separator like a Jedrick, like a Roja Redemption. Boom, right? Absolutely, and that's what we're hoping for. And then the race 8 is the uh, – this could be the deal breaker for a few. No. Uh, race 8 and the the third – the four main special weight races, six furlongs for Phillies and Mares, three and up. And there's going to be a heavy favorite in here. Pumpkin Scone, seven to five, oh for two, both at three to two or less. Jeff, what do, which side are you on? Right. Th- this is decision time right here. And given, depend, I'm going to play a couple different tickets. And on one of my tickets, I'm going to single Pumpkin Scone because I don't blame you. I think a lot of people do that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Has has definitely burned some money in the first two, but has also lost to two nice horses, or what appear to be nice horses. They ran well. Um, the numbers really tower over this field. It might be a case of just, I don't think Pumpkin Scone necessarily is, is a hanger, just got beat twice. So I, I think she has a really good chance. She's def- most definitely the most likely winner. I think we can all agree that she's the oh, most yes. likely winner. And if we're spreading in other races around, I think she's an absolute stone cold single in here. The the other the other one that really interests me is the eight gather. The the Rusty Arnold first time starter here. He's what you were talking about trainers that just kind of sneak one past every once in a while. And I've seen Rusty Arnold do this a time or two, especially with first time starters that get ignored. Like this is one that may take no money at all, but has that that work two back that was blazing 46 and four on July 28th at Keeneland. And just looking at Rusty Arnold's first time starter maiden special weight starter numbers and his last 69 first time starters, he's only winning 9%, but he's got a positive ROI of 274. So when he pops, he pops with a price. And if we can beat pumpkin scone in this race, this pick five could be massive. So I'm definitely using that one in some smaller tickets for sure. Yeah, it's Pumpkin Scone. I, I I don't think he's a quote unquote money burner like a lot of horses of his ilk are. Uh, I, I, but at the same time, I don't feel confident, right? Because I mean, he is back and back up to six furlongs, which is the shortest distance he's run. I mean, he went six furlongs last time in one hundred eight and four. He battled with Absinthe, who is uh, who he raced in his debut. When he raced against in his debut, and he was the, he was the thing. He he and Absinthe for Steve Asmus went. Toe to toe the whole way. And then Absinthe got the better trip last time sitting just off of him. So mm-hmm. these, there's no Absinthe in here to, to run him into the ground. Absinthe got the, the run of the race last time by sitting off of Pumpkin Scone. He was to the outside of Pumpkin Scone. So uh, that's why you see the fast fractions. I'm inclined to take the obvious single here. I can't do it because it, there could be the, at, at, at four to five, three to five, Maybe you're just wrong. Maybe he is a, maybe he is just a hanger. Maybe he is. I don't think he is. I actually think the horse is talent. Is talent. I just think there's been some tough circumstances, but the circumstances aren't tough enough where I'm going to swallow four to five and think I've got a lock. I, I don't think that whatsoever. Uh, a couple others in here. Evergrande interests, interests me for Asmussen. I didn't like him last time on the turf, but this horse did cost a million bucks. I know he ran at the fairgrounds this year and got caught by Neil Pesson horse, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, maybe the thought process was to bring him back and get him a tightener on the turf and then let him try to fire his best shot on the dirt. 
With the price he's going to be, five, six to one against a pumpkin scone, I'm willing to use him as well, too, in case that thought process of mine is correct, that they want the intent all along was to go turf to dirt for the tightener. You know, and Sarah Hamilton has, has spoken to us about Wild Acclaim before that she really likes this horse. Uh, ran really well in debut at Turfway at like 24 to one. Uh, do I think this is maybe the spot for the horse? Not necessarily, but it would not surprise me. She, she does attract Rafael Bejarano. Uh, it was a wicked pace against a couple of really good, a really good field at Turfway. So there's a sleeper there. There's a couple others, but Pumpkin Scone is probably the winner, but I, I would not toss Evergreen. What about you, CC? Hey, what about number two, Uncorked? Let's talk about her really quick. Uh, Let's this do is, that. Uh, uh, it's the daughter of Uncle Mo, and out of a stakes winning mare who has produced a stakes winner, Jonathan Wong had this filly. And. Yeah. <laughs> he's a very successful California trainer, but his runners here in Kentucky were awful, and they got worse after that. Yes. And I know that uh, the the Wong to Engler uh, transfer has already worked once at Ellis. I think Engler got all his horses, if I'm not mistaken, for the most part around here. Well, this this is a Tommytown, uh, Tommytown thoroughbred filly, so it looks like they've transferred some horses to Engler. Uh, you know, they paid $350,000 for it at auction for this filly. I would not sleep on this horse. They've got some nice works coming into this. Uh, June 30th, 46-2 and two at Turfway, 47-3 and three at Turfway on August 4th. So this this filly's breathing fire in the morning. I would not discount her. I would I would consider using using her as an A if you're against Pumpkin Scone. An A? Ooh, okay. Yeah. I would just, you know. Zeitlos was one to ten or something in the last race. There was not much in there beside her. Yeah. The horse did run well. I will say that the horse did run well in that race. Bill Mott's also got the one coming in from New York and such too. So yeah, I, that's I don't know what to do with that one. She's zero for eight and has been mm-hmm. low. Has been you know north of seven to one just twice in in eight starts. That's uh, interesting. If you're, willing, if, if you're willing to beat Pumpkin Spawn to go against Pumpkin Spawn, there are options. So if she doesn't fire yeah. her best shot. We'll see. Yeah. Okay. Last race of the sequence, maiden sixteen thousand dollar claimer. Three and up, mile sixteenth on the grass. This usually is uh full of uh future stakes horses, right? <laughs> Not quite. Yeah, I think I, they're fun races. Uh obviously I think we're all on the same horse again. So just Jeff can speak for all of us. Go ahead, Jeff. <laughs> I think we are. I think we're all a fan of our friend Michelle Lovell's horse in here. Uh, the 10 near the outside, not, the, not the best of draws, but this one did show speed and a mile and a 16th on the turf last time against a much better field than this. Uh, had to duel pretty hard through it at 38 to one. And I know, um, Alan, we were chatting a little bit before this and this one really held on longer than it looks like just looking at the form in this race. Really ran a really nice race. Was keen early as well, so probably expended a little extra energy uh, more than he would want to. But I think this one has a really good shot finding a, a softer group here and hopefully going to the lead early. We've seen on turf routes so far this meet, the front end's not a bad place to be, especially in a maiden 16 where a lot of horses haven't proven that they want to pass anybody. So, so that would be my A horse in here. I am interested in a couple others. I think um, 
the one directly to the outside prosecution, the uh, Moquette runner. That one's also been coming out of much better races than this. Just run kind of evenly, but I like the Justifies going to the turf. This one hasn't tried the turf yet. A lot of Justify horses have moved up, moving to the turf. I just think this one's a little sneaky. Could do pretty well. Longer shots that I'm really interested in, closer to the inside, are the, the two and the three. Uh, mm-hmm. Home Run Hank and Norbert. So these are both lightly raced, and Home Run Hank in particular has really taken sneaky but nice steps forward in each race, going from the dirt to the turf and then stretching out on the turf. And if we can get another step forward from that the first turf route attempt, that number is going to fit with these for sure. Yes. And this horse is going to be a monster prize most likely. And then Norbert is probably also going to be a monster prize being beat by, what is that, 76 combined <laughs> lengths in two races? That's not something that you always want to endorse, but once again, has only raced on the dirt and only raced against strong maiden special weight company. Um, Calhoun is good with these kind of moves. Overall, maiden special weight to maiden claimer, 34% wins with a 390 ROI and 221 ROI going dirt to turf. So there there's some things to like here about a couple of long shots that are going to be crazy prices that could maybe juice this thing up a little bit, especially if Pumpkin Scone wins that uh, last race. I think we can get some value here. What do you guys think? Yeah, this is a race, another race where it's obvious everyone's going to spread. Can't say that I blame them, right? Um, I'll just hit a couple of things. This, these races are wide open. These 16,000 turf, I think they're fun. I think sometimes you can find a little edge here and there and stuff. I'm not sure if I've got one here. Outside of the fact that, as to, to, to echo Jeff's sentiments, uh, I think Michelle's horse, Sapello Sound, could be tough simply because the horse improved so much from a figure wise and uh, off the bench. Uh, it's English Channel, right? And he, as Jeff said, the horse didn't quit till, till, till late in the race. And just a photo was a Ken McPeak dropper out of Maiden Special Weight uh, that ran on Oaks Day or Derby Day. And was much the best in there. We everybody's curious why the horse was dropping. So that's a pretty good field. So as you said, I do believe that's the one to beat. I'm with you on Home Run Hank. I think Home Run Hank is one you got to use because uh, this horse is progressing since it got to the turf. It may not look from finishing way it's finished races, but the numbers have gotten better. So I hit it a bomb. So there's a turf on the top. The bottom is a horse called Kepi, who is a homebred for the Williamsons and Veneers. And that horse was a nice runner. So a little bit of improvement on the drop. We're seeing the figures go up. Kansas Comet's not a bad horse that, uh, that beat him in the, beat, uh, beat him in the maiden. So I'm, I'm with you on the home run, Hank. Uh, Declan Cannon's on Spun Sons. You, maybe you include that one simply because it's Declan Cannon who kicks ass in that turf course. Yeah. I, I, I think Jeff and I are on the same page. But again, this, this race, you always got to, you know, just, be in a position at this point. If you're in a position, you got anybody, you're in good shape. CC, shouldn't we be concerned that we're all on the same horses? <laughs> yes, of course it is. Especially when you, will they pay out to one of five? Is that how they do at Ellis Park? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you on that one too? Sapello Sound, yes, yes. That's you the one. Paula Lobo too. Paula Lobo's horse on the outside past seven horses in a stretch of Belterra. Watch out for that one. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I shouldn't just sit here and parrot everything you said, but I mean, I'm on the same horses. I, I think I'll have a ticket 
single just a pillow sound and hopefully i'll have another one alive to uh to a few others yeah i mean what but i mean this is the horses you all talked about so yeah. but again the, the, these were sixteen thousand maiden claim i think they're fun races uh i mean you can you can feel pretty good about four and not have one of the super in these but it it i think they're fun races so okay well whatever you decide to do however you decide to play it good luck to you weather uh, should be good so it, you know well it, it should be coming off the turf or anything like that that's good right yeah hopefully yeah we we we've got Saratoga beat on weather <laughs> for damn sure. <laughs> All right, guys. Anything else you want to add before? No, we no. Sign good up? luck to you guys. It's uh, I think it's a fun card. I won't get to catch much of it, but I'll I'll have a ticket in. Yes, I I I like the sequence a little bit. Sometimes it's about can you play it? Can you think you can hit the sequence? Or not? Is it worth playing? I think those are worth playing. So good job, Ellis. Six racing days left at Ellis. That sucks. Really? Okay. Yeah, it's I'm... almost over. Yeah, snuck up on us. I uh, used to run Labor Day weekend. I guess uh, Kentucky Downs has has those dates now, maybe or something like that. I don't know how that's. Kentucky Downs is right around the corner. I know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then a, a Travers is next Saturday. That's going to be a, a wonderful race. The likes of Forte, Archangelo, Mage, the Derby winner. That's going to be uh, that's going to be one to look forward to, but and always surrounded by a great undercard. Get your get your get your bankroll as they say. Build your bankroll this weekend, then come firing next weekend. Yeah, hit this pick five here. Get your bankroll <laughs> ready for Travers Day. I, I never understood that. They said build your bankroll here. It's like, what if you lose? Then you're you... stupid cliche. It's a dumb cliche. I yeah. I hate. There's <laughs> a lot of cliches I can't stand. That's one of my hate. Yep. Yep. All right. That's all. That's all for now. Uh, thanks to Mr. Riggs. Thanks to Mr. Schneider. Thank you to the uh, thousands that listen at home. This is CC Broadus reminding you that we're not happy unless you're not happy. Good night.